Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys. Everything sequel contains explicit language. And why the fudge not, you melon farmer? Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is a pitch a sequel edition. My name is Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, the man ready to pitch sequels to the Star Wars prequel. It's Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Say hello, Tom. Yippee! <laughs> Fuck. That's not actually a quote. That's just uh, that's just how I feel about coming to the end of this. Oh, it sounded very Jar Jar. <laughs> no, it's the other one. It's the another annoy. It's the other annoying one from that movie. No, I, it's not not because I I you know dislike talking about the sequels. I have an unlimited appetite for them, as as we've discussed. I'll but, say. Uh, I'm just I'm just grateful to be able to talk about movies for the normal amount of time that we talk about movies. Me too. Once again. Yeah. I I'm looking. As we said before, it's only Star Wars that does. It's this just thing. weird, isn't it? And you you mm, see, I mean, eventually we'll we'll put your theory to the test. You think we won't talk about the sequels as long? And uh, we'll see. Yeah. We will see. I didn't think that about the prequels either, so we'll see. But uh, oh, I knew you could talk about. I knew. I thought I'd have to shut you down. It. Tom, stop. Well, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> The surprise was that you that, that you had even more to say than I did on some occasions. <laughs> I did. You were the one who kept kept going. Like I know, I was like, we we didn't cover this well enough. Let's go back <laughs> two or three scenes. That was that was. That I did was, that a uh, few times. Yeah. yeah, and that's fine. I think that that's because the movies are endlessly fascinating. Yeah, I you know it's weird. I don't know. Yeah, I think. Uh, it's weird when you watch them for a specific purpose. Yes, it is. That changes. When I watch them for this the podcast, I think pay. I feel differently about them than I do just sitting down to watch them. Right. Because you have to yeah. defend yourself. You have to, right. you know, counter other people's arguments. Mm -hmm. By other people, I mean me. <laughs> <laughs> and you already know what those arguments are. True. All right, well, we're here to pitch sequels, but uh, why don't we do some catch-up first? Absolutely, yeah. We got a lot of good feedback. Um, Boy, about, did we. Uh, yeah, about our coverage of the prequels. Um, it all, all came after the Phantom Menace episode. I don't know if that means that, <laughs> that we've, we, we like the trilogy has fallen off significantly since then, but... Uh, but does that uh, support my kind of... claim that it should be at the top of these, or does it dis does it disprove well, that? Is what I'm wondering. The, uh, the the lack of comments might, and also the argument of this particular commentator might as well. <laughs> this is uh, Kyriakos Vilches, um, who sent us an email to saying uh, to saying not the saying, first time uh, he's I written really this either, right? No, he he he's he's often written us, and we're really grateful. He's a uh, He's a real cheerleader yeah. of our podcast, and we really appreciate that. He writes, I uh, really enjoyed part one of your Phantom Menace episode. I found myself at odds with both of you at times, <laughs> while also agreeing with some of your points, too. That tracks. Uh, and then he, then it's the laughing emoji face, mm -hmm. which is laughing so much it's crying. <laughs> uh, 
Um, don't know how to translate that into words, but <laughs> I think you get the idea. Uh, this one is actually pretty high on my own ranking list. I actually ranked this one over Attack of the Clones within the prequel trilogy, so sound off on that. <laughs> Lol. But both of you shared some insights that I found hard to dismiss. I think this is the best case scenario with any response to Absolutely. episodes about the Sauros Kriegos is that is that I you know I, I I don't agree with with everything you said, but I agree with some of it, and I appreciate the points that you're making. I think that's the best we can do <laughs> as Star Wars fans in current circumstances. Yeah, it sounds like we don't have to get lynched, right? And with Star we'll Wars fans, lynched. you never know. <laughs> Yeah, they're 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 a you know they're an unruly bunch. Is, uh, society is one one meal away from anarchy. I think uh, <laughs> I think Star Wars fans are one many Star Wars fans are one meal away from lynching. Yeah, uh, you heard it here first. Yeah, so um, thank you for that. That uh, it was. I'm glad that I'm glad that we're getting any kind of response at all. You know, I know I know these are divisive films, so mm-hmm. I'm really glad that people can entertain our arguments uh, at the very least right. about them uh the the um the other uh email we got was from our uh, one of our patreon supporters uh keith langford mm-hmm. um now this was lengthy voted this was lengthy and i've edited it a little bit just so to give it some focus but th- this is um this is the kind of meat of uh, of what keith wrote I went into the prequels expecting to see how the Republic fell because that was the backstory hinted at in the Return of the Jedi book. It's in that same novelization where we get the line, which Padme later speaks in Return of the uh, Revenge of the Sith, <laughs> about how democracy dies to thunderous applause. And far be it from author James Kahn to just make that part up because he got it from Lucas himself. Uh, Lucas also allowed Terry Brooks to interview him for the novelization of The Phantom Menace, in which we get Lucas's backstory for the Sith. A thousand years ago, the Sith were numerous, but in their anger and lust for power, they kept fighting one another, which allowed the Jedi to wipe them out. Until, that is, Darth Bane established the Rule of Two. Mm -hmm. The Rule of Two requires that one master and one apprentice should coexist, one to embody the power of the dark side, the other to crave it. Bane's vision was from a was for an apprentice to grow in the force stronger than his master, kill the master, and train a new apprentice to continue the cycle. As each successive generation of masters grows incrementally more powerful, the final result is the most powerful Sith of all, Palpatine himself. Really is a pyramid scheme. It is. And a terrible business plan, which we mentioned earlier in previous episodes. <laughs> There's more, but any comment on that? That part of it? I I I just I appreciated. Yeah. It's so funny that Keith had written this to us because I don't, I can't remember at what point I I, I understood this. I mean, obviously I'd seen the prequels, so at that point you right. start learning this idea behind the Sith. I don't know. It just uh, like you know we made light of it because it's sounds ridiculous and absurd. <laughs> Yeah. And we continue it doesn't it doesn't seem it like a good way to try to take episode. over the galaxy but it worked so yeah. who are we to scoff who are we who are we to scoff and you know again the, the part that really interests me is about this being 
talked about in the novelization mm-hmm. of Return of the Jedi, and I wonder how much of of uh, what I was what I knew was going to happen in Revenge of the Sith comes out of that, like the lava pit, the droids having their mind wiped, and mm-hmm. um, the uh, what was the other one that I knew was going to happen? I think that was it, wasn't it? Mm. But, yeah, I guess that is it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that sounds right. I'd, it's kind of interesting. And interesting that that line comes from the Return of the Jedi novelization. It's like the the most famous, pretty much the most famous line in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, right. Apart from maybe I have the high ground. <laughs> is, uh comes from the, the novel, novelization, but indirectly through Lucas. It's very interesting. Hmm. I mean, yeah, as, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go on. Okay. Um, because there is there is more, and and it continues to be very to to be revelatory. Nevertheless, Palpatine is still only a single Sith, so capturing the galaxy and taking revenge on the Jedi has to be done with subtlety and finesse. The genius of Palpatine is that he engineers a series of crises that persuade the Senate to give him more and more power. The first crisis is the most subtle of all: the blockade of Naboo. I disagree with Tom's assertion about the opening dialogue when he says it doesn't help that they call the trade dispute trivial because that's the point Qui-Gon senses an unusual amount of fear here for something as trivial as a trade dispute because under normal circumstances it's a dispute that should be easily resolved with a little diplomacy i.e. the negotiations will be short (laughs) but Obi-Wan has a bad feeling because something elusive a malevolent presence in the shadows a phantom menace question mark Palpatine (laughs) who is manipulating I love how he just goes straight to a phantom menace question mark Palpatine, uh, who's <laughs> no mystery there, who is manipulating a trivial situation into war so that Valorum is exposed as a chancellor too weak to even resolve a minor matter on an insignificant world. Palpatine hopes to force a vote of no confidence and get himself elected as chancellor through sympathy because his home world has been invaded. The only wrench in the plan comes when Valorum wisely sends the Jedi to resolve the dispute. Despite this, the Force is with Palpatine because Valorum's Jedi escort Padme, uh, Jedi because Valorum's Jedi's escort or Jedi, yeah, I don't know what the plural of Jedi is supposed to be, <laughs> escort Padme herself to Coruscant, where the Sith use her to gain even more sympathy. Any thoughts about? It? There's more, but thoughts about that. Yeah, I when we get into this portion of the explanation, I, I, uh, I, you know, he's laying out an argument, but to me, it, it, to me, it, it draws out a weakness within the screenplay. Yeah, that's it's that ten year gap that, is really hard for me to get over because that's a long con, and it's ten years of him being in power, and it's hard for me to imagine that these or thousands of years apparently. Yeah, these shitty Jedi. <laughs> They don't want him in power that long, so I can't believe they didn't start yeah. trying to murder him even sooner. Yeah, I I think it's quite right to point out that the that the the use of the phrase trivial might be um, deliberate, but you know. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Obviously, I, I made light of it, but um, I see I see what he's saying. That that's actually that's the point, um, as as uh, as Keith says. And a, a lot of this comes down, you know, like my hard and fast rule of, if you know, is is it on screen, right? Mm-hmm. Do I have to go to a novelization? Yeah, Do right. I have to go to another text to find this out? Then it's not in the movie. So I mean, that that will that's my kind of overall sort of 
uh, counter-argument to any of this, but, uh, uh, or at least the first part, but, you know, as it goes on, it, it's, you know, it's kind of an interpretation of what actually happens in the movie, and I think a really valid one. Agreed. Going on, uh, once installed as Chancellor, Palpatine still can't just take over and dominate the galaxy, so he causes a new <laughs> crisis, a civil war. Rather than this showing him to be a weak chancellor like Valorum, he makes the case he's hamstrung by politics, thus prompting the Senate to give him emergency war powers, including all the powers he needs to rule as emperor. But the Jedi are still in the way. How can he get rid of them? While the war does a lot of work for him because many Jedi die fighting it, just as many do in a single battle on Geonosis. And embedded with the military, they become easy targets to kill all at once with Order 66. Yet to make a Jedi purge politically possible and sufficiently permanent, Palpatine needs two things. The Jedi to become the enemies of peace and a turncoat from within the Jedi ranks to evade the temple, killing those not on the front lines. Palpatine's masterstroke is the final crisis, the assassination attempt on his life, <laughs> because it justifies the purge and turns Anakin to the dark side so he can murder babies. Which is exactly All of that happens. happens. <laughs> yeah, and I agree that the, the masterstroke is the uh, the assassination attempt on his life. Um, yeah. Also, because the, the, he's exploiting something that really happened. Mirex Windu was really going to take over the government. Yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> it lends to your argument that Palpatine is the hero of these three movies. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is, you know, I think if, if, if uh, Keith hasn't already sent his work to the people who write the Star Wars Expanded Universe, he absolutely should, because he's <laughs> making a better job of telling this story than even George Lucas. And that's did, the other I thing think. is, you know, I when I first read his email, I thought, okay, well, he's putting it so succinctly, and it's not as though I didn't understand all the things that he's saying happened, that they happened, hmm. but the the sporadic nature of it over the course of three movies... It makes the, the the story in the prequels, it's a bigger arc because it goes over three movies. Hmm. And he's saying it in a way in which it seems like it should be in one movie. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. I see, yeah, it's, it's, well, this is the, fi this is the final point. And I have something to say about this, which okay. speaks to that. Yes, they have many, many flaws, but imperfect as they are, I've come to appreciate Lucas's three-movie vision, a story that's unified, whole, and complete from start to finish. It's a tragedy of how the downward spiral of politics and personal trauma can lead to tyranny and despair, but there is yet hope for a new generation to bring restoration and redemption. I, I agree that in comparison to the sequel trilogy and all the kind of uh, Disney-era Star Wars-related mm -hmm. Star Wars... Yes, this is this is far more unified, whole, and complete than any of that. Sure, in in relative terms, um, I and, and you know if if you want to re again, and we talked about this a little bit in the Revenge of the Sith episode, if you want to follow the through line of what happens in the Senate, mm -hmm. I would agree that this is a that 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 is a three movie vision. It's a unified story. It's whole and complete. Everything around that, I think, is a little more hit and miss and a little more fragmented. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say that about the entirety of the prequel films, but this... I, I think I, the I prequel films feel he, more fragmented than he is summarizing. Yeah, but in terms of the like the story of the downward spiral of politics... Yes, yeah. no, yeah. I think that is... He basically, he's kind of like cut out the, the fat the, and this right. is the... Absolutely. This is the meat of... 
of, of the, the story three of the three movies put together. Even Lucas didn't didn't realize that this that that is the most coherent and consistent way of uh, of tracking a story through these three movies. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you know, don't completely agree with everything, but I you know I think not only is it all valid, but I I definitely agree with a lot of it to some extent, and certainly in comparison to. Uh, what's been done with Star Wars since this this looks far more coherent, organized, and unified than any of that. Agreed. Um, yeah, and uh, <laughs> m- the the detail and the effort and is much appreciated. Keith that later sent a message to our Patreon apologizing for the length of the email. <laughs> yeah, no, to which no I need. Replied, I replied, never apologize for length. <laughs> That's your creed. That's yeah, your, and it, again, re, you know, motto. my 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 only my only fight against that is 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 it in the movie? Mm-hmm. And I think some of it is, and some of it has to be extrapolated from other from other Star Wars media, and that's the point at which I kind of you know I tap out. <laughs> okay, and that's you know. I, that's an un. We've talked. We talked about this on our Clone Wars watch along as well. Like that's an unrealistic way to be watching Star Wars now. You cannot expect to to watch one TV show or one movie and not have to watch a related set of texts in order to understand them. That's just not what they're, they're right. doing now. I mean, you know, every time every review of Ahsoka begins with. Oh, it complements Star Wars Rebels perfectly. I'm like, so <laughs> how am I going to feel about it having never seen any right. Rebels? Yeah. That's all I need to know. That is all you need to be reviewing here. <laughs> Agreed. Um, but that's not how modern franchises work, and it's certainly not how the Star Wars uh Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, we're in a different era, I guess, of storytelling, yeah. aren't we? It's weird. It is, yeah. Because that um, used to be the, the bedrock of telling a story. If somebody doesn't have to watch yeah. something else to understand what they're watching now. Superman 2. Yeah. You know, we'll replay the first movie for you in the <laughs> first 10 minutes yeah, of, done. of our film. And, you, you know, we got it. Yeah. Which is going from one extreme to another, but definitely in continuing franchises it's rare for you to be able to kind of track a story from start to finish without having to rely on external information from someone mm-hmm. else and i'm talking about, like specifically about other texts within that franchise i'm not talking about cultural capital yeah or, right like references to pop culture or things like that mm-hmm. which you know different media plays on different levels with that as they should because it's supposed to be a shared knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. But there's an assumption of a lot of shared knowledge that I don't, don't have care to <laughs> don't care to accumulate before I watch right. the thing that I want to yeah. watch. Well, thank you, I say to our listeners yeah. for for taking the time to write in. Yeah, it's greatly and, appreciated. Uh, it's yeah, it's uh, it was it was great to read, and thank you for. Uh, participating all right friend should we pitch okay <laughs> yeah yeah we've got we've got a, a pitch. we have a mandate uh, 
well, yeah, and implied in our mandate is that uh, <laughs> we I, we make a Star Wars film that's um, somehow linked to the prequels. Is there is has there been a more difficult task set upon us because you have three movies that we already know that come after this, and so yeah, what do you do? Where do you start? Mm-hmm. What's what's the the germination of an idea. I mean, how hard was it for you? Yeah, why would you make what, more Yeah, exactly. Of like, why, 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 why? So, I it basically, I, I kind of, I turned away from the normal process of what we do here and, in, in, you know, trying to find the natural next step in the story, mm-hmm. which is what we tend to do. And by natural, I mean completely artificial. Um, <laughs> that only one only makes sense to us. I just decided to, you know, to sort of go. To go with a completely different idea, and that's what you to, always do. Uh, make. <laughs> but this one specific, like it, it, it occurred to me halfway through thinking about this that that the the answer is staring me in the face. Mm-hmm. And I should just I should just run with that, even though it isn't kind of conventionally what we do when we pitch sequels. Mm. What about you? I, I I didn't attack this with a lot of relish. I just kept. No. Well, did you attack it with clones? <laughs> yeah, I just. Uh, I kept thinking. <laughs> what? What can I possibly do? Yeah. And it, I, my sequel brain always kind of works towards the... To me, I always think about that logical next step. That's what I, you know... Yeah. And to me... You've got a bit more freedom with these films, though, because there's, you know, there's uh, huge time jumps in between the films. I guess, yeah. So that, that was something I considered was uh, the amount of time... And then, the, the, to me, the big question is, inter-sequel or not? And I couldn't think of a not, so... Oh, in, in, inter-quel? Inter-quel, yeah. Yeah. Or oh, inter-sequel, yeah. I mean... I, I, like, I, I, I wasn't scoffing at your word. It's, it's, it's as good a word as inter-quel, <laughs> right? If, if not better. <laughs> it's just not the term I'm it's used not to what you. It's not what we originally came up with. I think you came up with inter-quel. Yeah. Oh, no, no, that's an existing term. Is it? Don't credit me for that. All right. Yeah. People have conversations about film outside of this podcast, Mike. <laughs> but not... And occasionally I steal like from them. not like us. And by occasionally, I mean always. <laughs> <laughs> now, Interquill is an established term okay. for a, a movie that sits between movies. Space, space between spaces. <laughs> That's where I went, friend. Okay. I've... Uh, I've kind of done I've, I've done a different kind of an interqual i'm sure you have maybe an interqual between uh <laughs> well, yes <laughs> i'm not using different as a euphemism as you are using it <laughs> for for bad and weird um <laughs> but it, my, my, mine is an interqual between trilogies it's quite a good teaser Ooh, isn't it? i like that hmm. well i want you to go first I bet you do. <laughs> Not happy to. So, 
as I said, I you know I had a epiphany in this uh, in thinking up this sequel, where I suddenly realized what what it should be because I've I spent most of the episodes uh, talking about the prequels bemoaning the fact that Obi Wan Kenobi the TV show mm-hmm. didn't give us a Rockford Files slash the Fugitive TV series that was Obi-Wan going around Tatooine solving mysteries and getting people in, out of jams. Yeah. And, you know, we've said before that this was that decided, you know, that's, it's a no brainer that that's what that show should have been. Right. But we didn't get it. We got something very different. And so I decided I would use this platform <laughs> to create, <laughs> to create that piece of media. I like it. And so my sequel is a feature-length TV pilot episode of an Obi-Wan TV series. The Obi-Wan Files? Called, called Obi-Wan. Just called Obi-Wan. Okay. Uh, I, I, it's, I, I sort of ummed and ahed between that and Kenobi, but I thought, for some reason, even though Kenobi sounds a lot like Kojak, I still didn't think it quite worked, <laughs> so I went with Obi-Wan. <laughs> But anyway, this is the TV movie pilot, which we you know is an established tradition. Cagney and Lacey had one. The Rockford Files had one. Kojak had one. In fact, the Marcus mm-hmm. Nelson murder. Hunter had very one. Popular in the set. <laughs> yes, you always, you always find that like <laughs> that extra deep cut when it comes to television. I love it. <laughs> like I'm throwing out all the names that people know. Hunter, <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> Herman's head. <laughs> Where was I? Yes. Yeah, so, so the name of my the name of my uh, movie slash episode is um, Obi Wan: Colon <laughs> Battle for Tatooine. Mm. So I'm also drawing inspiration from the Ewoks TV movies. Clearly, yeah. In in how I'm titling <laughs> them, and perhaps of what they're about. So um, we we pick up where we where Revenge of the Sith ends with uh, Obi Wan riding away on his OP. Um, he the OP is so gassy that uh, Obi Wan has to kind of pull over <laughs> just to get some get a breath of, of fresh desert air as he travels the the uh, is it the Jungan wastes Jungan wastes. You you would know far better than me. Come on, I don't remember the names. <laughs> I'm gonna say the young and waste. I'm trying to remember what um, Alec Guinness says. The young and waste are not travel. Whatever it is. Anyway, doesn't matter. Not this. While he is while he's resting, um, trying to get some time away from the opie, mm-hmm. uh, trying to stay as uh, upwind as possible uh, of the opie, he sees that there's a there's a kind of wagon train going through the young and wastes. Uh, containing a family with a pregnant woman, and they're being surrounded, uh, cowboys and Indian style, by the uh, the Tuscan Raiders. Hmm. Um, they're ready to take them down, and you know he Obi Wan immediately, not thinking, reaches for his lightsaber, realizes this is going to expose him and his, um, and uh, expose his uh, position. And that he's got to be keeping a low profile. So instead of the, he tries to think of another way to get them to leave, and that's where he comes up with the idea of imitating the great dragon, 
that we see at the beginning of uh, Star Wars, and that scares away the Tusken Raiders. That's how we got the idea to do that. Um, now, weren't you and, complaining uh, about connecting things? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah, it's a it's very much an Indiana Phoenix situation, <laughs> to quote Alex Robinson. And then Obi Wan goes over to see, make sure that these uh, this wagon train with these uh, settlers or um, these desert settlers are, are are okay. He sees that the, the woman's pregnant. He learns that they are um, they're from a, a settlement of separatists who. Um, took uh, refuge on the uh, in the desert of Tatooine mm. and they're fleeing the planet because of the deal that Jabba struck with uh, the Republic at the beginning of um, Clone Wars. Ah. Just to bring in one of our watch-alongs for passage through the space lanes. There you go. And now that the Republic has become the Empire, Tatooine is the first col- the first uh, colony so the troops are moving in, setting up outposts, and the separatists realize they have to get out or they're going to get exterminated. Sure. And, you know, in the dialogue, it's covered that, you know, they, they sort of, they rallied around Dooku, but they didn't really sort of believe in him. They they sort of, you know, they, they just thought democracy was disappearing and and uh, felt like that the Republic was backsliding into fascism, uh, with good reason. Um <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Obi-Wan, you know, he wants to keep a low profile. He wants to leave them, but he, he can see that they're not going to make it to, to the spaceport that they're going to. Mm-hmm. And so he agrees to, uh, to help them on their way and help arrange travel uh, when they get there. They're, they're basically like, you know, they're, uh, they're kind of Amish. They're sort of space Amish. They're like, you know, they're green. They, they, they wouldn't know how to handle life in the big city. So Obi-Wan feels like he has to help them. Uh, get transport off the planet, and of course, near a spaceport, Mos Eisley. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, this is Obi Wan's first uh, encounter with Mos Eisley. <laughs> um, he goes into the goes into the cantina where he hears that you know that pilots are looking for passengers, and that's where he first meets Boshak, who is the guy that intro- the pilot that introduces him to Chewbacca in Star Wars. Mm. And, uh, you know, he sort of says that these people need need transport. Boshak's like, well, you know, I can I can get them out. But what's it worth? Um, and he's like, and Obi-Wan says, well, you know, I'm a Jedi. I have no means. Uh, you know, we don't have attachments. We don't have possessions. Uh, and um, he see- then Boshak sees his lightsaber. And that's worth he something. Says, uh, well, he said, you can give me that kyber crystal and that lightsaber, because since Order 66, the kyber crystal that makes the lightsaber is now the rarest uh, jewel in the galaxy mm. because they've all been because uh, all the Jedi are, are supposedly extinct as far as we know at this point <laughs> as it will be in my version and so you know Boshak's like yeah he's like you keep bringing me these kyber crystals I'll keep getting these people off world so of course Obi-Wan good natured Obi-Wan <laughs> Finds his, he gets the he gets the separatists off the planet. Then he goes to their settlement. The, the they've already been uh, invaded by stormtroopers. He find the the people have told him that you know much like the Gungans, they have a sacred place that they go to when there's just trouble happening. And you know that's a that's a call back and be like, oh, I used to know a, I used to know a, a lizard in a waistcoat who uh, did the same. <laughs> And uh, so they're hiding in they're hiding in caves 
that the uh, that the stormtroopers don't know about in like a little city of Alexandria kind of mm. arrangement, Last Crusade arrangement. Yeah, right. City built into the rocks. That, by the way, is where we'll where Obi Wan is living when we'll see when we see him in Obi Wan Kenobi, uh, and that's how we find out about them. Um, so, <laughs> so anyway, basically, what happens is Obi Wan starts becoming an underground railroad for anyone trying to get out of uh, the clutches of the Empire as Tatooine is um, uh, as the Empire takes control of Tatooine and turns it into a colony. So he's kind of running. Um, refugees into Mos Eisley, so it's him and Boshek trying to get people out before the um, while the stormtroopers are chasing them. Mm-hmm. And I figure this, you know, this could be a good like seventy-five minute, ninety-minute pilot. You know, a few like two or three of uh, sets of people that he's running through this sort of underground railroad, and you know, once it's once it's all over, he he you know he withdraws to his new cave which he's found through his work with the underground railroad right but uh you know it's given him a at least in this period it's given him a kind of new lease of life that you know he 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 realizes that he can still be of service and help people even if he can't be a jedi and uh he's gonna act out that instinct over about three seasons three and a half seasons something like that (laughs) of television each episodic, no continuing stories. <laughs> like television should be. <laughs> well, there you go. Obi Wan, battle for Tatooine. Obi Wan, battle for Tatooine. We're uh, tonight on ABC. <laughs> we're we're in a similar area. Really? Oh no! We, you're not. After, after all this, after all we complained about going back to Tatooine, both of our pictures are on Tatooine. So here's the I feel thing: like we have to make a retraction. I, and this would be a complaint for my, for your idea too. I think I was gonna mm. set mine on Tatooine, but with all, I'll, like, I'll ask you this question: with everything going on yes. with Obi Wan, like stormtroopers are involved, blah 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 blah. Doesn't that get back to the Empire to Vader? Isn't he gonna come? No. No, it's like the fugitive. No one, they never catch up with him. They they get within, you know, at the end of every episode of the fugitive, they were like minutes away from getting him, but he'd already fled the scene. Okay. So there'll be like but there's you know, nobody on like a, a comm saying, "Hey, I think we've got that Jedi you've been looking for." No, because I, I, it'll be, it'll be like you know, they, we won't know. If it's the paranoia of one Imperial officer who's been hunting him and he doesn't want to report it to Vader until he knows that he's right and that he's right. captured. So that's why it never gets back to them. So I guess it, in my original idea... Be as, you know, he'd get choked to death if he said, I, I, I had Obi-Wan Kenobi, but he got away. Mm-hmm. In my original idea, I had it on Tatooine. Okay. I also had cover for it. Did you change it while I was talking? No, no. I was I was thinking of changing it beforehand. I was thinking okay. of changing it that my story, because it will end up involving Vader directly, it leads Vader too directly to Tatooine. But I think maybe I could fix that by getting him off planet and mm. Vader never knowing. Uh, yeah, I, I, but yeah. it's, okay. 
it's troublesome to say the least. That's my sticking point. I don't ever want he shouldn't he shouldn't leave the planet in those twenty years. That's my sticking point with Obi Wan. I got no sense that he ever left Tatooine. I know, that's my problem in writing this yeah. story. <laughs> it's not your problem. It's the it's the it's the franchise's problem that's that we've true. inherited. All right. Well, let's get down to it then. I sure. I am calling my sequel Pursuit of the Jedi. Ooh. Wow. That's uh you really turn the tables on the titles there. <laughs> you like that? Yeah, one is, one is mine sounds like one of your titles and uh that's actually quite good. So I am going with your idea. It's Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi, and that both the Emperor and Vader have their sights set on finding these two. Because if they get rid of them both, then their path to taking over the galaxy is clear. And I've got a bit of a time jump of five Mm -hmm. years since the end of Sith. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, I... I got ideas for like the whole front scene. You, you, take a take a ship. What's the name of that ship? And the you would know better than me. The the first ship we see in Star Wars. The Tanti Four. Okay. So think about a ship maybe two or three times <laughs> the size of that. <laughs> what a lukewarm response. <laughs> you like it less now that you know it's called. I that. do. But I imagine seeing a ship that we think of as big and kind of doing the same thing we do with the first Imperial ship where you're kind of going, you know, I would, I would, instead of going under, I would be over it. Okay. And then the camera gets to the back jets and kind of comes underneath and you're just seeing the underneath of the ship and then you pull down and above it, mm. you see the huge Imperial ship that you didn't know that was there that is sucking this thing up with a tractor beam. Oh, wow. And cut to... Poor ship. What's that? <laughs> Poor ship is yeah. it was getting sucked up in some kind of a tractor it beam. Is, it's, it, you, th- you think uh, we're going to get some good guys, and it turns out, of course, as always, the good guys are in trouble. Yeah. And uh, you're going to get Vader kind of interrogating a guy in a chair, and he's just going to say, where are they? And he responds, so you're Lord Vader, you know, the traitor. And uh, then he says, who is this? And all of a sudden you see a hand come up and start force choking this guy. And it's Vader that Mm -hmm. says release him. So in the span of this five years, the Emperor has given Vader an apprentice to train. So you're you're also influenced by Clone Wars. Yeah, I'm 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 fucking around with shit in the sense of the two. I think the Emperor yeah. sees himself on another level and now he has created a master and now this 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 new yeah. Darth can if he's going to kill anybody he can kill Vader. He's the assistant to the regional manager. Exactly right. I'm calling him Darth Typhon. <laughs> <laughs> and the pendulum of titles has swung once again. <laughs> it was all I could come up with. Darth Typhus sounds like a kind of a, a sort of a brand of tea. Well, it's, a, it's, it's like a play on Typhoon. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> it's not making it any better. 
<laughs> that just sounds. Oh, it also sounds like Darth Hyphen. Like this. I also until about <laughs> like Darth Dark Typhon something. <laughs> it's uh until about ten minutes before we were gonna start recording today. I thought, fuck, I don't have a name for that fucking guy. So hmm. I just wrote it down. Darth Math. Darth Math. Darth Math. Marth. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, of course it's terrible. <laughs> At any rate, what we're going to get is uh, what has sprung up in the last five years are lots of small bands of rebellions, mm-hmm. but that they're not organized. Yeah. And uh, so Vader's just going to find out that this guy has no idea even really who Yoda and Obi-Wan are. And he's just going to force choke him and kill him. And he's going to be talking to the Emperor, who's going to tell him, keep looking. This is the only thing that's stopping us from being able to rule the galaxy. Uh, You can tell me what you think of this name, because we're going to (laughs) get... When we cut, we're going to cut straight to Obi-Wan, and he's in the middle of training Rennick Zett. Mm Mm-hmm. Training a what? Rennick Zet. Oh, that's did you did you create that with the Star Wars gen, name generator? Yeah, one of those. Did you? Yeah. How did I know that? Because <laughs> that sounded real. Yeah. Rennick Zet. Mm-hmm. All right, great. So what it's going to be is the the idea behind all of this is if you want to stop and pitch this directly to Dave Filoni, I think you got a chance. <laughs> well, the idea for me was the idea of Obi-Wan trying to correct the mistakes of his past. Mm-hmm. And so he's in the middle of training and we're even going to get like a call back to Empire because when they're done, I kind of had the idea of uh, one of the orbs with, you know, Rennick with the face shield mm-hmm. and the blasters and the, you know, the, the little rays shooting out, but then also Obi-Wan coming up with a lightsaber and him battling him with the helmet on yeah, to see how far he's come. And once they're done, you're going to kind of get the, he's going to get that force sense of, Oh, I feel cold. Now, the reason I was going to put this on Tatooine was because it's one of those caves. It's the same kind of cave as, as Dagobah. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's uh, that crossed my mind to make make the caves one of those special force caves. A force cave, exactly. And yeah. because I, in doing a little bit of research, from what I understand, that's why the Empire could never find Yoda was because the force cave is essentially part of the dark side. And if mm-hmm. you're going to become a Jedi, you have to face that to kind of move on. I don't know if it's a fit. I couldn't find out if it's officially part of the trials though. Okay. That's what I wanted to know. Mm-hmm. But because it's essentially part of the dark side of the force, they can't sense or feel Yoda there. And that's why I wanted to set it on Tatooine. Cause then I figured it's kind of cover for Obi-Wan being there and never being detected. Yeah. You know, that's true. But then I thought like, what if, uh, Kind of a la Empire Strikes Back, you know, we're sending out the the uh, the kind of satellite droids. Bad or bad, 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 bad. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, my idea was if they send one and they only see Rennick in town, he's kidnapped, he's taken off. Now, Obi-Wan, it's kind of like combining your idea. Obi-Wan, you know, is on the case. He's got to get him back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, does that, does that, so anyway, carry on. You've got more. No, go ahead. You have a question? It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's more of a. I th- you, you, yeah, you're gonna have to tell me how it pans out. Otherwise, All the right. question is the question is moot. Well, what I like, I guess, I what I was trying to get to was that idea of uh, an imperial ship that Obi Wan has to find a way onto. I have this idea that maybe he's got uh, spider legs. I don't legs. know what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well. I think it's like an emergency call. It like I hit a button, Yoda gets a signal. That means oh, that how did I miss that? I need you. That's pure 1960s television. How did I miss right? that? <laughs> uh, and I just I got to be honest, I hadn't worked enough out in my head to know too much in the second act. The I guess yeah. the idea that I came up with really the whole crux of it starts working towards Obi-Wan's got an idea. He thinks he can maybe destroy the Sith now. And the idea would be that it's just, he it's thi- just two guys. So yeah, it's just, well, now it's three though. <laughs> <laughs> two and a half from, yeah. from the sounds of this guy. But we got two and a half on our side. True. Yeah, that's right. I guess what I wanted to get was... Balance to the, he really did. Anakin really did bring balance to the Force. Yeah. What I liked was the idea that anything that happens in this story, Vader never sees Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. And Obi-Wan thought that he was bringing them together for him to finally, like, to finish Vader off. Mm. And it turns out Vader outthought him. And Vader... He was willing to sacrifice his pawn because mm. now he can't kill him. The pawn can't kill Vader. Yeah. And he can kill Obi-Wan's apprentice. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask about. So because that's where this ends. we need to get ends. him out of the way. Right. <laughs> Before because anything the, else happens. I guess the, the idea for me was it, leans in, it, it leads into the Obi-Wan series of why he backed away, dropped his Force powers... And did what he did. Oh, yeah. I for, That's yeah. it. I have to stop. I can't keep fighting in this way. I can't train a Jedi. I have to stop. I'm done. <laughs> I like that Obi-Wan is learning that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than after Revenge of the Sith. I know. <laughs> it's really more of a... At this point, it's really more of a reminder that he's incapable of doing these things. Yeah, right. He's like, oh, yeah. I totally suck at training Jedis. <laughs> the last one I trained became the most evil person in the galaxy. And this one gets killed. I put I sent him to his death. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's but that's great. Escaping by the skin of their teeth, he goes sure. back to Tatooine. Yoda goes back to Dagobah. And the emperor has to concede that these two are going to go away and not come back until you know, until they choose to, and we're going to have to wait until then. Hmm. So 
we've got the Death Star, we're good, let's move on. <laughs> that's what that's what delayed the the build, de- construction of the Death Star. They were like, they were always searching uh, for let's Jedi. Let's take a sabbatical from the Death Star and go off and see if we can find Yoda and Obi Wan. Yeah, it's like it's pretty much built. We can, uh, we you know, we're ahead of schedule. <laughs> That's why. That's why in Return of the Jedi, they you know, uh, Vader's so antsy about getting their Death Star back on schedule. It's like last time we said we were ahead of schedule, didn't go so well. <laughs> Took us another fifteen years. <laughs> Pursuit of the Jedi. Great. I like. I like Pursuit. That's a very uh, noirish title. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, that's a, a good salvaging of an of an interquel. All right. Yeah. I need a new Darth name. <laughs> Listeners, if you're listening, send in your Darth names. I, I don't see what's wrong with Darth Marth. I mean, Ralph Mouth got away with it. Yeah, I was going to no, know. I can't have one that rhymes. What's the matter with you? <laughs> it worked. I was uh, Happy Days was on TV for a long time. Yeah, it's a comedy. Well. <laughs> you're talking about the redheaded <laughs> character. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Donnie Most. Is that the name <laughs> yeah. of the actor? Yeah. He, uh, he does cabaret in San Diego from time to time. Anyway. Uh, that's... All right. <laughs> Sidebar. This is, this is how you know you've talked too much when you're discussing <laughs> what Donnie Most is doing in your local area. Right now. <laughs> well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Two sequels for you to vote on. Mm. What was yours called again? Obi-Wan. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I knew you you, you, you had retained it. Um, <laughs> Obi-Wan what? Obi-Wan Battle for Tatooine. Battle for Tatooine. Very good then. And uh, yours is Star Wars Pursuit of the Jedi? Just Pursuit of the Jedi. Yeah, why? Well, you really don't like putting Star Wars up for uh, Star Wars no. prefixes. What is uh-uh. it? Why, why do you... Do you not want people to know it's a Star Wars movie? I think Jedi in the title is enough to tell people it's a Star Wars movie. But people think it's a video game. <laughs> it rubs against me in the worst way. It's it's like It really does. I've noticed it's, that. It it I I equate it to changing Raiders of the Lost Ark to Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Don't like it. The title of that movie is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. Okay. I, yeah. Okay. All right. I sort of I sort of understand, but it's really more of a sort of marquee banner than a than a prefix. Oh, yeah, I'm still fine with you, but uh, Star Wars <laughs> in yellow, yeah. receding into the stars. That's all I need. I don't need it in my title. Understood. I don't want to see Star Wars Episode Three Point Five: The La- yeah. <laughs> Pursuit of the Jedi. <laughs> that's that's where it gets tricky. I think it's like, yeah, how do you uh, how do you um, quantify it? <laughs> yeah, I don't want that in my life. <laughs> three three point six point five. It's just Pursuit of the Jedi, my friend. Pursuit of the Jedi, great. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll remember that when I put the polls up online. <laughs>
You definitely, you definitely want the Star Wars prefix, right? That's what I'm getting. At. No, no, come on now. Okay. You want it? At, you want it as a suffix, so like. Obi Wan battle the, the battle for Tatooine. I got it. <laughs> I'll remember. Hey, you proud of me for not putting numbers in where they? Do I am. Them? And none of them are reversed or in weird orders <laughs> or taking over for letters. On a, on a related note, are you looking forward to expend forables? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, good times. With a trailer that doesn't want you to know it's an Expendables movie. Um. <laughs> yeah, I gotta tell you. I'm not hearing good things. That's the probably the best plot twist in a movie I've seen for decades. Has been... <laughs> In the Expend Fordables trailer. Oh, yeah? Uh, when it reveals halfway through that it's an Expendables movie. <laughs> <laughs> and not a remake of Mr. and Mrs. Smith with Jason Statham. and. Uh, yeah, that's that's right. It woman, does start off like that, from, doesn't uh, it? What's her name? Megan Fox. Megan Fox. Yeah. All right, friends. Well, there you have it. Those are our pitches, and that's the Star Wars prequels done. Yep. And now we got to move on, Tom. Until next year. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in a, in a well, I mean, it's actually some not been a whole year. It's not been a whole year since we did the original, so that's true. I'd say in the next six months to the, to a year, look out for more more Star Wars episodes. Tom's favorite. Two of those movies are directed by J.J. Abrams. They are. Uh, if we we'll survive it, <laughs> the podcast we'll will go on. We'll see how I feel very differently about about each of those movies, even though they are directed by the same person. So that's a little right. teaser. I look forward to it, friend. I bet you do. In the meantime, people can vote on what they think of our sequels uh, that we just pitched. And you're going to have to tell us uh, what sequel you would pitch. So find us yeah. on Facebook, Instagram, and that's it. Or send an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. What late 70s style TV movie pilot would you pitch? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is living on a vast estate. Kind of looks like Hawaii. <laughs> there's a, there's a, uh, a surf version of the Star Wars theme that we, of John Williams' Star Wars guy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, everyone. Hawaii 5 Obi-Wan. Oh, God. Thank you for listening. Say goodbye to everybody, Tom. Roger, Roger. <laughs> it's been low-hanging fruit this entire time. It really has been. I'm, I'm glad you snuck it in under the wire. <laughs> Literally under the right wire. The battle yeah. are full of wires. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We're excited about our next series, so uh, stay tuned for that. We're close to Halloween. That's a clue. Mm. But it won't be Halloween. <laughs> We've been doing it for the past two years. We're done with that shit. 
<laughs> Until we do a Patreon episode. <laughs> All right. Or so long. We make more Halloween movies. <laughs> or we have if... to do the Rob Zombie Stop sequel. Stop talking. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer.